Hi Laura, thanks so much for joining us on Britain's Birth Stories podcast. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. And uh, do you mind telling us a bit about yourself, like where you're based and uh, who's in your family? Absolutely. So I'm based in Glasgow and I have a 14-month-old son called Sam and um, I live with my husband Stephen. So, and we've got a a stubborn bulldog as well. <laughs> oh, oh, lovely! All right, and 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 what's your profession apart from taking care of your family? Um, so I am a yoga studio owner, and uh, more recently a postnatal doula. So I've been um, teaching yoga for a number of years now, but this year during lockdown, I did my doula training. So I'm excited to um, be moving into uh, doula work. Oh, wow. Wow, that's interesting. I'm sure we'll get back to that after. Great. So uh, let's get straight into your pregnancy. Um, w- was that something you'd thought much about or, or was that unexpected? Um, yeah, so I had been wanting to have children for years, actually. So I was so, so excited when I found out that I'd fallen pregnant. Yeah, it was just um, yeah, it was planned and very, uh, very exciting. Oh, amazing, amazing. And, and and had you thought much about birth at that point? Um, before falling pregnant, no, I hadn't really thought that much about birth. But during my first trimester, I really went on a bit of a deep dive because once I realised that I was pregnant, I was like, oh gosh, okay the baby will have to come out somehow and I don't know anything about that. So uh, one of the things that I, the sort of way that I cope with uncertainty is reading (laughs) and gathering information. So I just, yeah, I did a lot of reading up about it. Wonderful. And and did you know how and where you'd like to give birth? Well, initially when I started doing my research, I kind of toyed with having a home birth. And... But because it was my first and we sort of knew that the um, rates of transfer to hospital was quite high for your first birth, I think it was something like, oh, I forget, is it 45% or 55%, something around that mark, we decided um, to opt for birthing in our nearest uh, midwife-led unit. So that was a a plan anyway, um, to have a fairly sort of, hands-off natural water birth wonderful and and how was your pregnancy for you um i would say on the whole i didn't enjoy being pregnant (laughs) i just found it quite an uncomfortable experience i guess um i suppose just all the changes in my body i'm used to being like very active um, and physically like doing quite a lot like a lot of sport and exercise and I, I think I found that that um slowing down actually quite challenging and um, I had a bit of pelvic girdle pain and um sort of swelling in my feet and legs and you know all the kind of usual things I suppose everyone experiences the the some symptoms to a um, more greater or lesser extent but yeah and 
and it turns out that Sam is actually a really big baby because when he was born, he was ten pounds ten. Wow. So I think that some of like the discomfort, and now I'm like, oh, I understand why I was so comfortable. I was yeah. so uncomfortable in yeah. the last couple of months because he was just so massive. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah. So I, but also I was very, I was obviously like very excited about having having the baby and getting to meet Sam and I sort of enjoyed that nesting process and um, even planning for the birth I quite enjoyed we did like hypno birthing and I enjoyed all, all of that process kind of learning about it but just at, at a physical level I found it quite hard yeah yeah uh, well now let's get straight into it um uh, how how did labor begin for you and how did it progress so I um I was induced. I waited and waited and tried everything in the book yeah. <laughs> to try to start labour, but it just was not happening. So I think I waited two weeks and then went into hospital to be induced. Um, I yeah, I was just like I say, he was a big baby. I was just like I was ready just to to get the process moving and yeah. um, couldn't really wait any longer than that so um it took so I was in, went into hospital on a Sunday I got my first pessary I think it was about tea time um on Sunday and then I think I maybe had to have about two more pessaries um and then things started then my contractions started probably like in the middle of the night um, and I had so I was lucky actually that I had a, my own room which yeah. was nice um, my husband went home to get some rest um, and I we had a birth doula so um, sort of early on the Monday morning I called both my husband and our doula and, she, and uh, they both came in to join me yeah. Oh, you just cut out there. Oh, can you hear sorry. Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hear yeah. you. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. So you, you called the doula in, and and then what what went on from there? Um. So the contractions were really quite close together, and they were very intense, very strong, and um, it's kind of a bit of a blur in terms of the timeline. But that went on for a while, and I was struggling a little bit to feel in control um and then I was also struggling with like internal examinations for some reason I just found them like incredibly painful yeah so um they had to because at this point I wasn't in the labor ward yet so they had to actually bring up gas and air for me just to get the um internal examination to see how how far dilated I was and and the next time they checked, I think I was only, still only something like two centimetres and right. I really expected to be further along because the contractions were like really strong and really close together and um, so then they spoke about possibly breaking my waters to get things kind of moving along a bit yeah. quicker um, but I just, that kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies a bit. I just had this, like, visions of, like, a long knitting needle. I was like, oh, God, no, yeah. um, I can't cope with that. So I was like, okay, let's just kind of see what happens. 
Um, and so my doula uh, went away to take a wee break and yeah. uh, we decided that I would go and like have a little seat in the bath um, and did that but then it sort of started to slow things down again. I kind of felt actually the more relaxed I was um, the more spaced out the contractions were um, and then got out of the bath again and my waters broke and wow. there was um, meconium in the waters which wasn't really surprising really considering kind of what stage of pregnancy I was at you know he's yeah. been in there for a while and uh-huh. um, so at that point they decided um, of course like Getting into the midwife led unit went out the window as soon as I decided that I was getting an induction or that yeah. was that overdue. So um, once um, they saw that there was meconium in the waters, they wanted to get me down to the labour ward. Um, and at this at this point, I just had, I think I just had gas and air for the examinations, but not for anything else. But it just like everything really ramped up, and I uh, just remember like really. Like this death grip on my husband's hand every time, every time a contraction uh, came, I just like couldn't focus on anything else apart from squeezing him. Oh um, and yeah, so then I, it felt like it took ages to actually get down to the labour ward, and I was I, I remember that quite strongly. Like asking, like when can I go down? Because I knew that once I was down there, then I would have like more access to different. Um, pain relief, yeah. uh, which is funny because like, all throughout my pregnancy, I was like, I'm going to have this natural birth and yeah. don't want to use any pain relief, but I think the reality of it and the sort of intensity of, I don't know if it would have been different had it not been an induction, but um, certainly um, I felt like I needed some, some extra help. Um, yeah. So then, yeah, and also the other thing which I haven't really realised is that um, you know, they want to do the continuous fetal um, monitoring for the heartbeat. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the contraction they use almost seems a bit not fit for purpose because it didn't really fit around my bump properly. I don't know if it's the shape of my bump, but it kept, like, falling off and they kept having to, like, fiddle around with it. And when I was getting these strong contractions, like, the last thing that I wanted was someone, like, fiddling around yeah, definitely. Like, the bump constantly. And so they kept sort of being concerned because they couldn't like keep, keep that um that sort of consistent track of his heart rate so then we decided to get um what's the thing called where they like pop something in the baby's um scalp to keep the yeah, track yeah yeah the, the um what's it called oh it's not a balloon something like that it's, it's yeah like a straight, I don't remember yeah. what it is uh, but we decided to go for that because i just like couldn't cope with them constantly like messing around with this belt so um when we got to down to the labor ward they fitted that um and then i think i decided oh they so then they examined me again and i still wasn't that far dilated so um they said that they could put me on the um, hormone drip again just to kind of move things along and i just couldn't face going on the drip and things getting even more intense without any sort of um, pain relief. So at that point, I decided to get an epidural. Yeah. And I think this was, 
if you think it started on Sunday tea time, this is probably around Monday Monday tea time. Yeah, yeah. going into Monday evening. Um, and yes, so I got the epidural and I was just so relieved. <laughs> oh, wow. The sweet relief, yeah. So I was kind of labouring all night and still not really, I think... By about four o'clock in the morning, I think it was still still only about six centimeters. Right. And uh, Sam wasn't he wasn't in any distress, but at this point I was just so exhausted yeah. and it just didn't feel like we were getting anywhere. So um, then then we decided to to opt for the um, emergency C section. Uh, because uh, uh, yeah, I was just kind of ready for it to be over, and uh, felt quite good about that actually at the time. It was all very calm. It happened quite quickly, but um, you know, it was amazing actually just to think that these people were just waiting on standby, and uh, you know, before, before I knew it, we were just in theatre, and everyone was in their places, and it was just yeah, it was great. Wow, that sounds amazing. And what was the first few hours like with him? Um, yeah, good. I mean, I actually can't remember that much about it. Um, but I think probably just because I was so tired. But um, yeah, we were in recovery. Um, Sam like latched on fine, and um, then we got wheeled up to our ward. I think my husband had to go away for a couple of hours. Um, I had couldn't leave the bed because I had the catheter, so. I think I was probably getting quite a lot of support from the midwives at that point. Yeah, um, yeah. Probably just starting to dawn on me what, like, major surgery yeah, <laughs> having exactly. the C-section was. So, like, yeah, just kind of um, obviously not being able to leave the bed. And then when I could leave the bed, only just being able to shuffle around. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what were your thoughts on feeding at that point? Well, I knew that I wanted to breastfeed, and I think I just remember not really knowing if I was doing it right and it being quite painful, Um, and just, like, calling the midwives at every opportunity, just to be, oh, can you check, can you check if that's done properly, or not really understanding, I suppose, why it was so... Yeah, yeah, and how did that... Uh, progress for you? Well, it, what I did was, I think maybe just as I got home, so we stayed in hospital for a couple of days and then got home on the, so yeah, he was born on the Tuesday. We went home on Thursday and I booked an appointment with a lactation consultant and she came out on the Monday because I just didn't really feel that confident with the feeding and I sort of felt it was something not quite right, but I didn't really know what. Um, yeah, so I mean, the feeding journey, it's a whole, yeah, it's kind of a long story, but basically, um, at that first appointment, she suggested that Sam might have thrush because he had a white tongue and it wasn't kind of like rubbing off easily. Um, and so that sort of sent us on a bit of a, what felt like now looking back a bit of like a wild goose chase, like trying to sort out the thrush, but it turns out that that's not what it was. It was because he had a tongue tie and his tongue just, like, wasn't moving enough to, like, clean clean yeah. his tongue. Um, so we did manage to get his tongue tie um, 
think he was maybe about three weeks old. We went privately to get that done. Yeah. Um, and then it took it took a good few weeks even after it was cut for the feeding to get easier. So he was really like fussy at the breast. It was painful for me. Yeah. He was upset. I was upset. We were like worrying about this thrush thing for weeks. Even yeah, yeah. And it, the test, the swabs kept coming back negative at the doctors, but for some reason they were like insistent that that's what it was. They kept prescribing all this medication. So, oh, yeah. So it was, I would say we had a bit of a rocky start to breastfeeding, but I think it probably took, oh, gosh, to be honest, about the first three months for us to feel like it, it had gotten easier. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I'm glad, I'm really glad that we stuck with it. And yeah. I'm like, so proud of myself, actually, for for not giving up. And, I mean, I'm quite a stubborn person, so that probably accounts for uh, accounts for a lot of it. But, um, yeah, it was worth it in the end. Oh. And how how was life postnatally for you personally? Um, I would say the first three to four months were quite rocky for me. Um, so we obviously like had the feeding issues, but um, I guess I wasn't really prepared for life after a C-section. I didn't really know what that would be like, um, because it wasn't part of my birth plan. Um. And, yeah, I mean, having a big baby to care for, like, he always just kind of felt like he was quite heavy. And he wanted to be held and rocked and bounced all day long. And my um, husband went back to work, I think, maybe Sam was about four weeks old when he went back to work. And then at that point, I think, yeah, the first four weeks, I think, were a bit easier because I had more people around and then after he went back to work I think then it got really tough because he was out of the house for about 10 hours a day and Sam had colic um which I'm not really sure what the cause was but he basically used to cry for hours on end um and I'm laughing now but it's really what it really wasn't funny um This is probably a way of like, yeah, coping with it. But um, yeah, so he used to cry for hours on end, and because I was so sore recovering from the C section, I couldn't like walk very far. So, and I also couldn't carry him in the like a baby carrier for very long. Yeah, yeah, and also, like, live on the first floor and we didn't really get a very light pram so I couldn't like carry the pram up and down the stairs so actually sometimes I just couldn't really leave the house so it yeah I would I would say this the my the fourth trimester for me was a bit grim to be honest and that's what's kind of prompted me to train as a postnatal doula because I don't want I don't want other um women to go through that if they don't have to and um it's funny because I think in our society we very much place a focus on buying things. You know, like when you're pregnant, it's all yeah. like, okay, what pram are you going to get? What travel system are you going to buy? What, like, I don't know, what baby Bjorn bouncer are you going to buy? And it's it did all this research and stuff. But um, when, of course, so I think it was just when Stephen went back to work and I was feeling completely overwhelmed. Um, 
I bought, I spent about £200 on this fancy baby rocker thing. It was yeah. like this ele- electrical thing which is supposed to mimic like the movements that you do if you're holding them because I was like, I cannot carry this baby all day long. Um, so I convinced my husband to buy this and it's like this really big, ugly contraption and Sam just, like, wasn't interested in it, in it at all. And I just felt so disheartened. Yeah. Um, but looking back, I think, gosh, why didn't I just think, okay, if I've got £200 to spare, why don't I just hire a doula or someone who can come and, like, hold my baby for a couple of hours yeah. whilst I eat lunch and have a shower? But it just didn't occur to me. And I suppose I'm not sure I really knew. I, obviously, I had a birth doula, but I'm not sure I really knew about the sort of support that was available postnatally to me um and again it was just that sort of emphasis on buying things rather than realizing that I could actually invest in getting help in the form of a person more personal care so um well if I could go back and speak to myself a year ago yeah I would definitely suggest that so again that sort of ties in with um with what I'm offering now yeah, yeah, no, that was a great t- transition into your professional life, and 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 where you're located now, it, do you feel like postnatal doulas are are popular? No, so at the moment there aren't many postnatal doulas around, and um, it's not really something anyone's heard of. So, um, I think that. <laughs> feel like we need to have a bit of a shift in how we view the postnatal period and yeah. I feel like there's very much an emphasis on this kind of bounce back culture and like you know getting out and going to the baby classes and then fitting into your jeans again and um, actually I think taking a more of a slow approach to recovery and that fourth trimester is so so valuable and in a culture that focuses very much on doing rather than just being, um, I think, yeah, that we need to see more of a shift in that. So I'm hoping that with the, the, the kind of message that I'm spreading, and I know that there's uh, definitely another couple of postnatal doers that have just recently started working in Glasgow, that we can help kind of spread that message and be part of that um shift in, in in attitude towards how we view the postpartum period great great and, and you mentioned you did your training during lockdown how was that for you yeah it was really good actually and um, i trained with um mars and lorna from abuela doulas Wonderful. and um, i was really grateful actually to be able to do it online because usually they would do it in person and I think in London or Birmingham, but uh, because of the lockdown that we were in, um, that made it accessible for me because it would have been like difficult to travel with Sam being so little. Um, And it was really lovely to connect with the the groups that were also doing the training and um, and we're still in touch as well. with the other with the other people the other doulas so yeah it's nice to have that support network oh that's amazing and, and I think uh, although you said they may not be popular le- yet postnatal doulas um that that's also something you can use to your advantage for you to start leading the way in, in that area absolutely yeah yeah and I think and 
to me, I see a lot of the work initially to be about like educating people um, to, like I say, to see and think about that that postpartum period as well, because I feel like a lot of the time the focus is on birth. Yeah. And I understand why that is, and that's, I was exactly the same during my pregnancy. All I could think about is the birth, but actually I think it's just as important to have a postnatal plan as it is to have a birth plan. So, yeah, I'm excited to be doing this work. Definitely. Definitely. Well, well, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing everything about your experience. You're very welcome. Yeah, I love speaking about it. So, uh, yeah, thanks for inviting me.